broadcasting from Mount Pleasant, Utah. This is the Sampete Horse Training Podcast. Sampete Horse Training's mission statement is simple, to send home a respectful, well-rounded, and well-broke horse that can handle a variety of situations. This is Eric Dent with Sampete Horse Training. Welcome today to today's podcast episode. Got here with me, uh, one of our horse trainers and our company inventory manager, Anna. Hello. So we're going to talk today about the topic of maintaining horses for children. So basically the idea behind this is um, horses start to take advantage of children. And we're kind of talking children from, you know, as young as maybe three years old up to maybe like 13, 14 years old, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. So horses have a tendency to figure out the, the children's weak points and start to exploit those or take advantage of them. And so the topic today is basically addressing how, as adults, we can maintain these horses in kid, you know, form, basically, so that, so that they can be ridden by children um, and not do bad behaviors that are going to make the kids uh, get hurt or um, to destroy their confidence and things like that. So let's talk for a second before we get into the specific ways that we can maintain them about how often does an adult actually need to be on a horse or working with a horse in order to keep it in a condition where children can consistently ride it without any problems. So what do you think about that, Anna? How often does an adult need to be on a horse to keep it maintained for a child? Um, so I think it really depends on um, how well trained the horse is and then almost really how many kids are riding the horse. So when I was in Oregon, we had about um, four to five kids on each horse every single day. Um, and so we would try to kind of get on them every two or three days just because that's, you know, about eight to 12 kids on a horse once a day. Um, but I think once a week, or even if you have a really well-trained horse, uh, once every couple of weeks is fine. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting when we have, uh, horses that we've been training, say, colts that have never been ridden before domestic colts that have never been ridden by the time we hit 45 to 60 days we can usually have a relatively confident 10 12 year old rider on those colts and they're fine but those colts would probably take at least once a week if not more often riding by an adult to keep them in good con condition as far as mentally and not taking advantage of a child and things like that um they're just still way too green to just never ride them, right? But I've got a kid horse that has raised most of our kids, and we, I don't know, I probably ride him once a year maybe. <laughs> it's really not that often. So, but yeah, really, it depends on a lot of factors. And that's something you're just going to have to kind of figure out for your own individual horse. That's for sure. So, But the point is there's very, very few horses like Sonny, our horse, there's very few horses like that out there that you don't ever have to ride as an adult. Um, if you really want your kids to have the best success with, success with horses, you probably ought to be on them or have somebody that's competent rider on them. Um, 
anywhere from a couple times a week up to, you know, once every six months or so, trying to keep them in, in check for these children. So, okay, so we made like a little list here. And this list is things that we perceive as being important stuff for an adult to do during these little maintenance sessions. And um, so we'll kind of go through this list. Before we go through this, um, one other thing that, that I was thinking about is that really the ideal thing is is not just to have a, a training session by an adult specifically to get them into kid shape, but rather rotate your horses. So, for example, you know, we've got uh, five horses that, that – uh, my wife and I and our three children ride and the ideal scenario is to actually rotate the horses so that the adults are actually going on these trail rides or you know in the actual moment type stuff where the kids would be riding them I think that's helpful instead of just you know going and doing a training session actually riding them occasionally so in other words in case occasionally an adult is actually riding them in the setting that the kid would be riding them so that's something just to kind of keep in mind Okay, so the first one on the list is one that Anna came up with. That is to not get a, not let a horse get dead in their face or uh, to your legs. So what did you mean by that? Uh, so most of the time, kids aren't quite as experienced, and so they're almost always in the horse's mouth, um, always putting pressure on their face, pulling them. Um, and then a lot of times you'll see, you know, the kids wanting to get their horse to trot and the horse doesn't want to trot. And so then they're just kicking them with their legs and kicking them and kicking them. And then the horse either eventually trots or really doesn't do anything and just flat out ignores them. And they start to, um, almost like, I mean, completely ignore the pulling on the face and the pressure on the sides. And, uh, in a way that can be good because you're going to have the inexperienced kids on it. Um, but also you don't want them so dead that then they're just ignoring the kid in the first place. So how do you fix this? Uh, I think just being, you got to make sure that you're really consistent. And this is what we ran into a lot of the times um, in uh, when I was in Oregon, just because you always got the kids that were trying to make their horse go faster. And so they'd be kicking them, but their horse was in uh, a, knows the tail lines so it's not like even if the horse wanted to listen it could go faster and so it would create so many problems um and so that's when we had to spend a lot of time on them and just a lot of consistency with the horse and making sure that the horse understood and was actually well trained um so that it was easily brought back to him once uh, we got on them and were consistent with it but we also spent a lot of times teaching uh, the kids specifically to not be in their mouth so much and to not be doing that because eventually the horses would also figure out that, well, if this little kid was on me, then I didn't have to do anything. But as soon as Anna got on me, then yeah, okay, I'll listen. Um, and so we spent a lot of time with the actual kids too. Uh, so that between keeping consistency with the horse and helping the kids understand, um, it usually, you know, it always turns out pretty well. So the vast majority of, you know, quote unquote, kid horses that are out there, if we had a scale of one to 10, one being the dead head that doesn't want to move and you're having to spur them every step of the way all the way up to the 10, which is the crazy hot blooded 
wants to run, run, run type of, you know, like almost like a racehorse type of a thing. So the vast majority of kid horses out there that most people have are going to be kind of in that duller category, like the two to, to four range. Um, and so a lot of what we're saying today kind of applies to that group of horses. If you had a super, super sensitive horse, then maybe the, the way that you approach it is totally opposite. So um, becoming dead in the face or getting to where they're not responsive to a child's legs, that's usually more typical of that two to four range in the hot, you know cold to hot blood scale. But obviously, um, the more hot-blooded horses usually are not going to have an issue with that particular thing. So um, I've found as, as I've ridden several of our horses over the years to kind of keep them in good mental condition for kids. One big thing is to really kind of get after him to come off that bit pressure. Our, our kid horse, Sonny, he, he's really, really bad about this. He, he knows when he gets a kid on him, that's about four years old or younger that he can pull the reins out of their hands and go eat. And so when, uh, our kids were quite a bit younger, this horse is like 19 years old right now. And we got him as a 12 year old. And back then, I would actually ride him quite a bit. And uh, what I found is that I had to really kind of overcorrect. So I would make him super, super sensitive in the mouth. Um, that way, when the kids were pulling on him, he would actually listen to that. So I would, I would teach him to flex laterally, which is a real foundation-type maneuver, very fundamental-type thing to teach them. But I wouldn't just ex, uh, expect him to pull his face around when I pulled. I would expect him to kind of snap his face around, like like that real like crisp yes sir sort of an attitude. I almost get him a little hypersensitive about it. And then over the the next few weeks, the kids would make him a little more dull. And then I'd go back and I'd make him hypersensitive, and then they'd get a little more dull. So remember, they they learned from pressure being taken away. And so the way that you teach that is to to um, you know grab lightly, pick up. And then kind of reprimand them with a with you know a few bumps on the on the uh, the bridle, and then as they come around to where you want them to be, you let go, and that's where that release occurs. The same principle applies with leg pressure, um, and I found that uh, that as an adult, riding with spurs made a big difference with this because then I could I could really reinforce that. So I barely touch him with my calf if he doesn't do anything. Then I start pressing and then I go to the, to the, you know, pressing with the spur and then I start to roll the spur and then really roll the spur hard until he comes off of that. Um, and then I would get him a little bit hypersensitive to those spurs. That way, the next time the kid touched him with just their bare heel, which is not near as strong as my bare heel, then they were a little bit hypersensitive and they would move off of that. So those are kind of a few things that, that you can do like specifically to help with that issue. Any other thoughts on that one, Anna? Oh, no, I think that that's the same thing, especially with um, uh, the mouth, just because I think that their mouth gets a, like a lot more dead faster than people realize. Mm -hmm. And so that was always something that was uh, pretty important when we were dealing with all the horses with the kids. I mean, it took, I mean, really, it took just a touch or two for them to figure out that they didn't, you know, they could have the kid pull on them all day long and just ignore them. Um, and it really helps with the eating on the trail because that's a problem in, in of itself. And so then you add the problem of the, of the kid not being able to stop it. And that just kind of turns into a bigger issue. 
I'll never forget just on this topic of not letting them get dead in the face. When I was working on this cattle ranch out in Nebraska, um, I was about 21 years old, I believe. And of course I hadn't really grown up on the back of a horse and certainly didn't have any instruction with them. Um, so I, I was pretty new to the whole idea of being a true horse horseman, you know, and having a, a set of skills and abilities. Um, and there was a kid that was out on this ranch at the same time as me that was actually quite a bit younger than me. I think he's like 17 or 18 years old. And he had grown up on horses with parents that had very, very, very high skill set with horses. And um, this kid, gosh, he could rope really good and just really, really good hand with horses. One day I asked him what I could do differently to become a better horse person. And, and this was exactly what he told me. He's like, you are in that horse's face constantly, constant pressure. You're using his mouth for balance and riding. And that's really typical of children. They always want to use, uh, you know, they want to use the, the horse's mouth for balance. They're using those reins as kind of like a little crutch, right? And so teaching the horses or teaching the children to stay out of the horse's face is going to make this a lot easier. You won't have to do it near as often. So I think that's an important thing. So all the way into my 20s, well into my 20s, I was <laughs> in the horse's mouth quite a bit. And I've definitely fixed that problem now, but it's but it's a... Uh, it's a common one. So, okay. The second thing that we came up with that is good for an adult to do to kind of maintain a child or a horse in, uh, you know, good mental shape for kids to ride is to expose them to a lot of places. So does this have to be done with the adult or what do you think about, about the idea of this, Anna? Oh, I think it can be done with the kid. Um, for sure, they can do it. Uh, I think just making sure that they're not restricted to just walking around the block or just riding in the pasture or just riding in the arena, that they're going a lot of different places. Um, a lot of the time, it's a good experience for the kid. It'll build them a lot of confidence, and it builds a lot of confidence with the horse. Um, but just getting a variety of the situations doesn't make anything um, seem really new to the horse, which then kind of surprise them and create some issues and then maybe is a little more experienced for the uh, kid. That's something that we really focus on in our training is to make sure that they just have seen and done a lot of things. And we found that even when they're really young colts and they've gone home, they've done just fine with kids on them because they have experienced all of the different situations. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting about this idea is that, that – you're almost more effective as an adult in tuning up these horses to get them into a situation that, that is like what the kid's going to be in times 10. Yeah. So like I'll give an example and maybe you can give a couple too, Anna. So like um, maybe you're going to be riding the horse around traffic and you don't want the horse to be afraid of the traffic. So um, maybe the child is going to be riding on the city streets where they've got cars going by at 25 miles an hour. So what do I do? I go and I ride them down to the side of the highway there where there's a semi truck going down the road at 75 miles an hour so that I'm kind of challenging them to something that's a lot greater than the, what the child is going to be exposed to. But at the same time, it will translate back to that 25 mile an hour car on the, on the city streets to where the child doesn't have to 
to deal with the reaction of the horse in that particular case. So are there ex other examples you can think of like this? I always try to take uh, the training horses uh, down the dirt roads where they get a lot of experience to cows and sheep and goats and uh, peacocks and geese and about every single animal you can think of um, so that when they are just riding around the block in town, the little yappy dog that's staying in the yard isn't a big deal to them. And even the ones that do come out and they're trying to bite its tail, you know, they've already experienced the peacock trying to come at them and they've already experienced the charging cow and that kind of stuff, you know, that it's just not a big deal and it's nothing new to them. Yeah. I was actually riding a horse just a couple days ago, one of the Mustangs that we are training through our Bio Mustang program and riding down the highway and a herd of about a hundred cows come running after him, up to, <laughs> you know, kind of up to the fence. And man, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a pretty intimidating sight for a young colt. And he was pretty worried about it. He did really good, but he was pretty dang worried to see that sea of black coming towards him. And that's a great example. I mean, those cows coming after him and, and he, you know, he didn't do, okay. he did okay for his stage of training, but he did not do okay if a kid would have been on him, right? Yeah. And so what did I do? I, uh, you know, those cows came up to him and they stood right at the fence. And so then I put him to work and I made him do rollbacks on the fence and I started loping him back and forth um, in that area and I was doing um, some real high intensity like uh, bending his face around while I was trotting him and doing these little serpentine type exercises and things like that and just really making him work until he calmed down and realized they weren't a threat and then we left um, and that herd of 100 cows coming after him is not nearly as intimidating as one dog right yeah not nearly it's so a good example of that <laughs> another one that I can think of is um is going, and we're going to talk about this in a minute here, but, uh, you know, exposing them to a steep country. So if you're going to have your kids riding up on the mountain and they're going to be do going down, like say a mildly steep trail, then what I like to do is go take them down the super steep stuff, the stuff that a kid would never go down. That way, if the horse tries to rush down that, I can get it fixed. And then it translates back to the easier place. So any other examples of that where we can expose them to a lot of different things um i honestly think that just the basic desensitizing with the plastic bag does a lot um you don't really experience how much a scary approach and retreat uh things happen just out there whether it's um a squirrel jumping out or someone's riding in front of you and they push the branch away and then suddenly the branch comes flinging back in their face uh, just like the basic desensitizing thing has really made a difference for them just in everyday riding yeah i think you, you really can take horses in a lot of maybe unconventional places um we uh just yesterday were on a ride up maple canyon uh here in central utah and um one of our trainers took a horse into there's like these these bathrooms on the on the you know like a camping type background bathroom and they've got like a big covered area right as you step into them and and so one of our trainers rode the horse up underneath that. So he's like basically sticking his head and his forequarters like into this dark hole. That's something that a kid would probably never do. Yeah. But as you know, he's being exposed to something that is generally pretty dang scary. And that horse had a hard time with it. He did not yeah. like that. So finally got him to stand in, stand in there and then let him, you know, think about it. So just expose him to a lot of stuff. Okay. The next one maintaining horses for children so this is the adult getting out there and kind of you know quote unquote tuning them up or, or training them so that when the kid gets back on them they're good so the this next topic is to make them move 
So this is especially important for these cold-blooded horses that don't really want to move. Um, so why is this important, Anna? It just establishes respect. Um, and it's really, it's really important because as soon as the horse figures out that it doesn't need to move um, with someone on it, even when someone else gets on it, chances are that they're going to go to more extremes to not move, such as like kicking out and bucking and um, rearing or just side passing, anything like that. It's just really important to create that respect in the horse. So we've seen quite a few cases of this um, where this can become a problem. Um, so here's kind of what typically happens. You've got a bit of a cold-blooded horse. You've got a child that's a little bit more timid. They're asking the horse to trot or to lope. The horse doesn't want to, so it's at first maybe it shakes its head and then it goes into the lope. Maybe then it switches its tail at him and then it goes into the lope. Maybe it takes a while to get into the lope. Maybe eventually it just doesn't want to, to lope, and then eventually it, ex it, it goes to all those bad behaviors that Anna just mentioned. I think the most common one that we see is probably kicking out, kicking out yeah. and then that's followed by second, secondly by bucking. Um, and it's just a disrespectful buck. Um, obviously, there's a whole other component to this. We actually did a podcast here a few months ago where we talked about horses that buck, so you can kind of refer back to that one if that's an issue. But... Um, but basically, we got to get them out and make them move. So again, a lot of these kid horses are, you know, like a two to a four on the scale of ten, and they really don't want to move. And so, um, so what do you do to fix this one? No, I just lope them and lope them and lope them. Okay. Yeah. So dirt roads are perfect for this. Yeah. Right? We do a ton of this. Super, super important. I would add one thing to that, and it's basically the same thing. You're loping them, but I like to get them to where they've got that, that real fast departure. So when I ask them to lope, I don't want them to lope after I've asked them for five seconds. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to lope. When I squeeze, I want them to lope. Now, obviously, you got to be a little bit careful about this because you don't want the child to squeeze, and then the horse takes off loping, and they get dumped off the back. Like you got to have a, an appropriate degree of sensitivity that's built in there. Um, but uh, I really like to to do that. And here at Sampy horse training, we always call this zero to a hundred. So it's like the pressure <laughs> scale goes from zero to a hundred. And we're like, okay, we're going from zero to a hundred in about half a second. There's none of this like squeeze and then ask, please. And then pet them and ask them again. And then, and then offer them an apple and then ask them again. It's like, no, it's like we ask them. And then if they don't go, we go to a pressure of a hundred, which is usually the end of our Mercati reins with the leather popper on them over their butt. So, we squeeze and they don't go and we're immediately whacking them and, and, and demanding that. And that's usually where the kick out will occur. Right. Yeah. And so we like to, to, uh, kind of hypersensitize them to this, these real dull horses. Anyway, hypersensitize them to this, to where when we lope, they're like, boom, gone. It's like, it's like that drag racing car off the line. Right. And then we can kind of bring that back over time to where they're not quite so sensitive, but we want that real respectful departure. That's a super important part of that loping. So mind-numbing loping down the dirt roads for hours on end doesn't always fix this problem. Sometimes it is that departure. So Anna, why don't you describe to us maybe a couple of the cases that you've seen of this in horses that we've trained and, and maybe some of your experience in fixing this problem. Yeah, so I had um, one horse that was just a struggle. It was kind of a big deal to get him to lope. Um, and it took a lot. I had to get him out, uh, 
in the foothills and just, I mean, I, I was pretty tired from hitting him so hard and he did not want to, I mean, he could care less and then he didn't want to even run in a straight line. Um, and so it took a lot to get him there. Um, but it wasn't even necessarily like it came out when I was asking him to lope. Uh, yes. But then where it really showed kind of the ugliest form was when I was just trying to get him to cross a little stream and I'm trying to push him forward. And he had gotten away with ignoring the being pushed forward so many times and not having any energetic departures that once you added an obstacle to it, then it became pretty dangerous. And so normally it's hard for him to get him to go forward off of any energetic departure when there's nothing in front of him and then you place an obstacle and then it became pretty dangerous. And so he would go to about any any other option than crossing the stream, whether it was rearing or kicking out or trying to rub me off on a tree. And, you know, that was pretty, it gets pretty scary and dangerous for me. And I'm very experienced, you know, a kid would not make it through that. And once a kid came off or gave up, uh, that horse is definitely no longer a kid's horse. He's now, uh, only for experienced or he's kind of an at loss horse that needs to go back to a trainer. Um, and so, we find that these horses that start out as kids' horses sometimes can become uh, some pretty experienced projects. Yeah, they can they can be trained to rub the the kid off on the tree, or they can be trained to buck the kid off because they know they're going to get put away or they're going to get mm-hmm. that release. Yeah, so that's super important to remember that. We actually had a horse this week that had this issue, and um, we have, uh, and I don't necessarily want to call it an issue because. Uh, you know, the horse is totally green. It's a, it's a Mustang that was purchased through a buy a Mustang program. And, and he's just by far the dullest of all the Mustangs we've ever done. I'd put him as far as a willingness to move. I'd put him about a two on the 10, you know, one, one to 10 scale just does not want to move forward. So, um, we've had him for a couple weeks here and, uh, we put the first three rides on last week and, um, we did the first ride in the arena I believe it was Monday of this week Mm -hmm. and we were pretty worried about this horse not wanting to move forward because the first three rides in the round pen, we had to actually have the person on the ground pushing him pretty hard, like with a stick and string and really getting after him and making him actually lope or whatever. He'd actually try to lay down instead of moving forward. Yeah. Never showed signs of kicking out or bucking, but man, he did not want to move forward. And so what we did in this case was we actually took a four foot training stick and um, during the first ride in the arena, we waited, we waited two days. So he was totally fresh, stuck him in a stall, fed him a bunch, waited two days until it got nice and windy and cold and <laughs> a little snowy, Yep, snowy. And we threw the saddle on him and we jumped on. So keep in mind, this is a Mustang. He's totally green. You know, we tried to set ourselves up for success by making him really wired, really, really hot and wired, you know? And this doesn't really apply for a kid horse. No, nobody would ever be riding this, but I'm just trying to, you know, bring up kind of the principle here. So we took a four foot training stick and basically, uh, we asked him to lope. And then when, when he wouldn't lope, we actually used the stick, which we almost never have to do. Um, and it took us about, uh, I don't know, it was probably about a 30 minute training session, but by about the second or third time that we asked him to lope with the stick, he was happy to lope. And then we finished him on the lope got off of him while he was loping real hard. And then, um, I actually, the trainer that's been working with him this week actually just told me yesterday that, uh, that he finally got him to the point where he's wanting to kind of run away with him. And that's what we were after with this horse is to get him to the point where he wanted to run. 
Yeah, he spent 20 minutes trying to get him just to walk. Yeah, so then he want, now he won't walk, and so now we'll fix the other problem that we created, which is that he wants to move too much. And so we had to kind of swing the pendulum so far one direction to fix the problem of not wanting to move, and now we created another problem, which is that he doesn't want to stop, and so now we'll go back and fix that. So it's kind of like this teeter-totter sort of a, sort of a thing or a swinging of a pendulum, and eventually we'll get him back to the middle where we want him to be. Um, and so with these kid horses, that's – it would never be maybe that dramatic, but the principle is still kind of the same. So make them move. Get them out and lope them. I think, I don't know what you think, Anna, but I think out of all the things we're going to talk about today, this is probably the most important. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, so, okay, the next one that we want to talk about. So, again, these are ideas of what you can do to kind of tune up your, your horses for um, your kids to ride. Um, nothing worse than a kid trying to ride a horse and then the horse whirls around and tries to run back to its buddy, it's to the barn or back to the trailer. That can be fairly dangerous and very, very confidence destroying for a child. Yeah. Usually traumatizing to them. <laughs> yep. So I can remember this happening to my daughter about three or four years ago. Excellent horse. We, we've had had this horse for a couple of years, about a 20 year old gilding and he was just a really good horse, but he was barn sour and um, I took, we were actually riding him to work one day. So I was riding a different horse that this horse didn't really know. And we, and then my daughter was on, on this, uh, is a buckskin gilding. And so we're headed towards work. And then he just half a mile away decided that he wanted to go back to the barn. And so he took off and my daughter's like probably eight or nine years old at the time. And, um, she could not get him stopped. And he ran all the way back, half a mile back to the house, running. And I, I'm proud that she stayed on, but it, like you said, it traumatized her pretty <laughs> pretty hard, you know. So um, so this is a pretty common thing. Some of the best kid horses are buddy sour, right? Like, why are they so buddy sour? I mean, we struggled with this. Uh, it was the worst. And when I was in Oregon at this kid's camp, because... That's what the horses had been trained to do, was to follow each other everywhere they went. They were trained to be nose-to-tail horses. That's what they did. Um, but then, you know, we're expected to take them and put them in an arena and then separate the kids out. And so you'll have seven or eight horses standing along uh, the edge of the arena while one kid is doing some kind of pattern or practicing something in the middle. Um so it's really hard when you're trying to teach a kid to lope for the first time and their first experience with loping is their horse running back to their herd, quote unquote. And, um, you know, most of the time you're trying to help them, you go from trying to teach them and build their confidence to pretty much just yelling at them, telling them exactly how to balance and stay on the horse and just hoping that they're going to listen to you. Um, and then they really don't ever want to try it again. And so it was a huge thing for us to really work on this with the lesson horses. Um, and it was something that we never really could get out of them because we were just had them for such a short amount of time. And, you know, they'd been doing this for 20 years. So it wasn't going to be easily fixed in a matter of weeks. Um, but it's hard for a kid to build confidence and be able to do something on their own when they are out of, you know, when they feel out of control and when their horse is truly buddy sour, I mean, they are out of control. Like, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. You know, sometimes we, 
we make this excuse for horses like somehow it's just a normal thing or every horse is like that or it's their quirk or whatever the case may be and i and i fall into that category too my my best kid horses is about as buddy sours they <laughs> get unless he has to run forward to, to, to get, get to home he's like, oh, then I'll it's too walk. much <laughs> you know so so how do we fix this uh, just working them around home really i mean the horse that i had for only a year or two when i was young she was the most barn sour horse you ever would have realized but if you think about it i mean you can't blame her it was that we would take her somewhere else work her hard and then let her relax all the way home and then once we got there we would immediately uh, get off take all the tack off brush her off give her grain turn her out feed her um, and then let her sit there all day and that's all we ever did and so I mean you can't really blame her for turning around and getting a little excited for all that she was going to get. Um, so I think it's really, really easy to maintain once you've got it in their heads that uh, being away from home doesn't always mean work. So you're resting them a lot when you are away from uh, the barn, um, but you're also working them when they are at the barn. I mean, that was something that I really liked uh, with the horse I owned recently was because I rode her so much. Um, around her stall and around the facilities where she was housed at, I mean, it was no problem to get her to leave and it was no problem to get her to come back because she didn't necessarily associate it with just a release of the saddle and a release um, of me getting off and getting right put right back in her stall with food. And so I think it's pretty easy to maintain and pretty easy to prevent, but it is not easy to fix once it's a really bad habit. Yeah. And the principle is the same with all three of those scenarios. If they're if they're soured to the buddy, then you go lope circles around the buddy. If they're sour at the barn, work them at the barn. If they're sour at the trailer, go, you know, meaning not sour at the trailer, at the buddy, at the barn. Yeah. Basically, they're trying to get back to that. They're wanting to, to get back to that area. So basically, the, the principle is just like what Anna said with the facility or the barn. You can do the same thing with the trailer or the buddy. And I think it's going to be more prominent with a buddy when you have a kid because chances are they're going to be riding, they're always going to be riding with someone else. Um, and so making sure that the one time that they actually, you know, are old enough or want or confident enough to go be by themselves, it's not going to be a total disaster. Yeah, absolutely. How long does it take for you to be able to tell Anna if a trainer has been doing the right thing with these cults that we're starting as far as buddy sourness, barn sourness, or trailer sourness? Uh, like two seconds at the most, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can tell when you're on a trail and not, you know, or even just going cross country. And I've ridden horses that a juniper tree goes in between the two and they're looking for the horse. Um, or even I've taken them out by themselves and they see deer and they're drawing towards the deer like crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the trainers was telling me the other day that he was riding a horse and uh, a bus went by and the horse saw it's like reflection is what he said. And it like kept calling out to his reflection. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's pretty annoying with the, with the buddy sourness, but often, you know, you are riding by yourself and so you don't notice it. But uh, when it's barn sour and trailer sour, Sometimes they don't even know that they think they're going back to the trailer and they're not. And so it's kind of a pain. But, I mean, they know as soon as you've turned them back, uh, you'll be able to tell pretty fast if they've been worked around the trailer or around the barn. Yeah. 
So we like to get this to the point where the horses don't want to go back to the trailer. They don't want to go to the buddy. Like we push it so far the opposite direction that it's almost like difficult to get them to go back to the trailer. Like they turn away from that. They don't want to go back to it. So this ride that we went on up Maple Canyon yesterday is a good example of this. We got back and we loped circles around other horses and around the truck and trailer. And we did that for half an hour after we got back from the ride. And then we took them off somewhere else and rested them and got off and let them stand there for five or 10 minutes and then came back to the trailer and went home. Um, and if you do that consistently, you'll, you'll keep that from occurring. So this is something that adults can do with these kid horses is, is just work on this basic principle of work them around whatever they're trying to go towards and then rest them somewhere else and make sure you get off somewhere else. Um, anything you want to add to that, Anna? Nope. That's good. Okay. So the next one uh, that we want to talk about, so tuning up your horses for your children is to um, keep them from eating on the trail. So for, especially for really young children, this can be a bit of a habit that is developed. I'm really a bit anal about this with my, <laughs> with my kids. Don't let your horse eat because once they get that habit, it's kind of hard to get out of them. Um, and so what can you do as an adult to keep this from being as big of a problem for um, the children that are riding a horse? Yeah, so almost with every single horse I train, I almost kind of set them up for failure, I guess, at the very beginning. So I will take them somewhere where it's probable that they will eat. Um, And then I let them put their head down, and I let them kind of take a bite and kind of commit to the mistake, and then I'll work them really hard and make them really regret regret that. And sometimes it takes a few times. Um, But helping them to just to know that, that there are consequences with that. I think we get in the habit of just always pulling their head back up. Um, but I don't think it really will connect. It doesn't really connect in their brain um, unless you're allowing them to kind of commit to this, make to the mistake and then making them really regret that. Yeah. I always like to call that, um, that whole idea of pull, pulling them back as, as in horse training that, I don't know if I heard this somewhere, if I made it up, but it's like the tit for tat method of, of yeah. horse training. So it's like, you know, the, the horse puts their head down. So then you pull it back up and then they put it down and you pull it back up and you pull it, put it down, pull it back up. And it's like over and over, it's like this little tug of war between you and the horse and, and nobody ever wins. Right. It's, it just ends up being this tit for tat sort of a thing. Really. Usually the horse ends up winning because your arm gets really tired and the horse always gets a mouthful in here or there. Yeah. And then the horse never stops trying either. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that, uh, it's just important to, to really make them think twice about this. And then the opposite of what Anna just said, when you are actually riding with your kids, do the opposite, go ahead and set them up for success, Right. feed them before you take them yes. on the trail and don't necessarily, I mean, you can't always avoid this, but don't necessarily take them in through that area. That's got really you know, lush, tall, yeah, gr- four foot grass. tall grass that they can't help but snatch as they're going through it. So. I mean, that was something I really noticed with with training was uh, making sure that they were fed beforehand. I mean, I'd ride a lot of the times in the mornings and I'd pull them out, ride them and then bring them back and feed them. And it really does make a difference if they're fed before you take them out on the trail. Yeah. Okay. The next thing that we're going to talk about as far as uh, tuning up your horses for your children is going downhill. Okay. So this, I've noticed that this is something that's pretty, concerning for a lot of children we did another podcast on this that discusses this topic in detail a little while back but maybe it's a little bit different with children in that 
the horse starts to rush downhill and the kids either can't get them to stop or they're so worried about staying on that they don't even try to stop the horse. And this can be an extremely dangerous thing. So how can an adult uh, keep this from becoming a problem through some of this maintenance tune-up type training that we're talking about? I think just this is a lot of this needs a lot of consistency, um, making sure that they're when when they're going downhill that you're kind of redirecting them, so kind of pulling their, or not really necessarily pulling, but kind of just popping their face uh, around and redirecting their energy as they're going down. Um, this might be easy to teach to a kid to do, but the thing is, is that their balance and their confidence usually is just not quite uh, there yet. And so even if they're going downhill and they're taught that they can just kind of turn their horse to the side and um, slow down the the energy, the chances that they're going to be using all of that weight, you know, their body weight to pull the horse around, usually just going to pull them right off. Um, or when the horse goes sideways, then you know, they're not always super well balanced. They might not just come off. Um, so I think making sure that you're just taking the horse down uh, a lot uh, and just making sure that as soon as they start to rush, uh, you're either reprimanding it or kind of pulling them to the side. And um, often in bad cases, once they start to rush downhill, then I'll turn them around and lope them back up and then take them back down. And as soon as they start to rush, then I turn around and lope them back up. Um and it doesn't take them too much before they're pretty tired. They they understand it. Start to realize that walking slowly down the hill is better yeah, than loping. Because it's not too bad. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. And like I said earlier with this, one thing I like to do is to take them down really, really steep hills. Because you're not usually going to get in super, super steep stuff with children. But I think that the more that you challenge the horse with the steep stuff, the better they are with the stuff that's not quite so steep. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes a big difference. So, Okay, the next topic that we want to talk about with, you know, maintaining or tuning up horses for your children is basically crossing over stuff. When I mean, when I say stuff, it's like obstacles, right? Like logs, you know, down timber, bridges, uh, water, um, you know, puddles, whatever. So what are some of the issues that maybe a kid horse would throw at a child when it comes to obstacles? Um, in my experience, it's been either they don't want to cross it in the first place, um, or they're kind of lazy and they just jump over it, or they're kind of lazy and they trip over it. And so those are kind of the three things that I see the most. Okay, yeah. And sometimes jumping it is is more appropriately termed as launching themselves yeah. over it, which can dump a kid off the back pretty quickly. I've actually had this happen before with, with yep. my children. I've um, seen it. Yep. So, um, so how do we go about, uh, getting a horse, um, tuned up as an adult so that th this doesn't really happen with the children? I think the same thing as the last time, just being really, um, consistent about it and giving them a lot of different um things to cross you know that's why i like taking them to the mountains because um they have a lot of different stuff to a lot of different stuff to cross um and then usually it's not just one log they've got a bunch of down uh timber in front of them and then usually it's just 
what I kind of run into is that they're so lazy to begin with that they're walking so slow. Um, and that's not really necessary for a kid's horse. Like they can still move out a little bit. Um, but just putting them in areas where they actually learn to watch their feet. One thing that I like to do with horses that are kind of in that lazy state is, you know, and we have like all these sayings that we say as trainers here at Sampy Horse Training. So I always have this saying that you want to jack them up, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you really get the horse all jacked up and high on their, on their selves. Like, like if they're tripping over the log, then I'm really getting after them and making them move, like almost making them jump over the log or almost making them, you know, get a little bit hot as they're going over this. And, and not that I want them to be like that when the kid goes over them, but I'm just basically what I'm saying to him is like, Hey, pull your finger out, like get, wake up and get to work, not just sit here and mosey your way across something and trip your way across it. Like actually wake up and, and do your job. Um, with horses that want to launch themselves across it, especially when they're kind of avoiding the obstacle, like they don't want to go across it, or once they do decide to go across it, they want to just totally jump it. Then the key in that is to go back and forth across the same obstacle dozens of times, back yeah. and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until they get to the point where they are crossing it with confidence and not being, not balking at it, not launching themselves over, and then you leave the obstacle, which is the release. So any other thoughts about crossing stuff, Anna? Uh, nope. Okay, so the last one that we want to talk about is uh, a topic that Anna actually brought up a little bit before um, in, in kind of maintaining and tuning up your horses for your children is to desensitize them to stuff. So this is maybe the one thing that we're talking about that applies a little bit more to the hotter horses than it does the cold-blooded horses. Mm -hmm. But the point with this one often is to keep the horse from stepping sideways when they're worried about something. So um, a little bit of a story. Last night I was riding this horse. Um, this horse came to us about two weeks ago. It's here for a short period of time, and it's a 15-year-old gilding that uh, is just a little bit too much horse for children and the goal of the owner is to try to make it into a kid horse okay and they wanted us to take it and kind of see what we thought and see if we can make some progress on that so last night i was doing a ride uh, on him for three hours and i decided that i was going to do it right in town the entire three hours right in town because there's so much going on inside the city limits okay you've got flags blowing on the poles you got dogs barking you've got cars and four-wheelers and kids riding their bikes and I mean you name it there's just a lot going on well turns out that a storm rolled in last night and then we had about probably what 40 mile an hour winds maybe <laughs> just two. a little storm yeah and it was raining a little bit I mean just mm. blowing super hard maybe even more than 40 mile an hour winds it was it was you know pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty I'm in the basement and it was shaking the building pretty good yeah. so yeah so um so this horse was exposed to a lot of stuff that could spook him and um it, it was interesting because as like right at the very end of the ride, we get this major wind gust and there was, uh, you know, plastic sacks from the grocery store flying across the road. Like one went right across above our head. One went right in front of him. And then one blew right into his side, like right in his flanks. It hit him in the sides and like hit him and then kind of blew around his tail or whatever. And then, you know, just moments later, a tumbleweed, which I don't, there's probably not tumbleweeds in some areas of the world, but we have tumbleweeds <laughs> here in Utah, and you can look them up. 
Um, this one was probably about four or five feet in diameter. And it... Uh, the size of a cougar. Yeah, it comes <laughs> flying down the road and, and it comes up from behind him and it brushes his back leg and then hits his front leg and then blows right in front of him. And, um, you know, this horse, he kind of would flinch when this stuff would happen. He kind of just like, his feet stay on the ground, but he just kind of kind of hunkered down and cower a little bit and look at it and then he was fine and that was like the perfect reaction right i mean the perfect reaction was no reaction but, yeah. but that i don't know that you could there's very few horses i think that wouldn't have reacted to that situation last night but um the point is is a lot of horses in that situation will step sideways at the very least now, you know a good kid horse isn't going to like run off or take off bucking or something but they're going to step sideways. They're going to they're going to shy out from underneath the child, and the child doesn't have good enough balance, and so boom, they're on the ground. And so the idea is we want to keep them from shying to the side. And to me, that's what the desensitizing really is all about, right? Like if if the horse is is running off with the child, it's not a kid horse. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it, that's not a kid horse. But if it's stepping sideways to get away from something. That's like a borderline kid horse, and you can usually get that out of them. And the way you do that is through desensitizing. So what are some of your favorite desensitizing um, methods? Um, I like, I start it right from the beginning, even with the the Mustangs when I'm very first, the very first day when you're trying to rope them and halter them. Um, you will stand pretty far away from them and then work on just running up to them um, and them standing still. And I really like this one, and I think it's really important for kids because uh, kids don't quite understand the pressure around horses and the prey and the predator and the philosophy around them quite yet. Um, and so you are going to get those kids that run up to the horse and hug the horse's leg, or they run up and try to grab the horse's uh, face, or uh, even just run up and jump in the saddle. And I think the just the approach and retreat from a, a person standpoint is really good for him, and that's one of my favorites, and I always try to start it with them as soon as possible. Yeah. So many different ways you can desensitize a horse, but the basic principle is that you do something that should scare them, you keep doing it until they stop and relax, and then you take it away. And, um, you know, if, if it's an approach and retreat type of a thing, the same thing applies. It's you that's the object that's coming towards them, and if they don't like that, you go up to them, and you sit and pet on them until they relax, and then you can take yourself away. So lots and lots of examples of this. You can do this with plastic bags. You can do it with feed sacks. You can do it with uh, the lead rope. You can do it with a training stick with a string on it. You can do it with stock whips. You can do it with guns. You know, shoot off like kind of a sound thing. Um, we do a lot when we're riding. Like I'll break a dead branch off a tree and use that to kind of touch the horse all over the place and let him freak out for a minute and then, once they stop doing that, I throw the branch away and then go up the trail a little ways later and do it again. But it's really important to do a lot of desensitizing in your more kind of hot-blooded type of horses. So again, just as a reminder, the vast majority of what we've talked about today applies more to a cold-blooded horse than it does a hot-blooded horse. The ones that don't want to move instead of the ones that do want to move. So let's talk for just a quick moment, Anna, about maybe there's a kid horse that is the opposite. Instead of being a two, three, or four on the scale of hotness, they're a six, seven, eight on the scale of hotness. Maybe give us the top two things that you would do to tune that horse up 
in the instance of a child riding it and maybe it's getting just a little bit crazy with the child and so we need to kind of key it back what would be some of the things that you would do with those horses um, i'd do a lot more of the desensitizing and i would do a lot of the uh loping so those are the two things i would do okay lots and lots of loping sometimes uh if, if they do truly want to run away with you at the lope, you've got two options. You, you can either lope them until they decide that they're not going to lope anymore. And then lope them more. <laughs> and then keep loping them. <laughs> so they decide that that's not that much fun to run away. Or you can do a million stops with them where, you know, as they build speed, you stop them. As they build speed, you stop them. You do that over and over and over again. Um, and interestingly, even though most kid horses are more on the cold-blooded side of things, I think that there are and maybe just a little bit more confident uh, of a child, not maybe not more confident is not the right word, but maybe just a little bit better of a seat mm-hmm. with the children. Just a touch of hot bloodedness is not a bad thing. Yeah. With, with these horses. We've talked about that in the last part in previous podcasts, but um, I think that's a good thing. Any other things you'd like to add for hot blooded horses that you typically do to try to kind of key them back to what a child would do uh, I think really with that one though is also making sure that they're exposed to a lot of different uh, environments and experiences just because their reactions are going to tend to be uh, much more dramatic than the cold-blooded horses um, and so especially just for example like I like to ride with dogs with these horses just because they get used to that um, just so that when they are being ridden in the arena and the feral cat runs out or they're being ridden in the mountains and the rabbit jumps out in front of them that it's not such a big deal Um, because the cold-blooded horses might tend to jump and sidestep but uh, when they're a little bit more hot-blooded then that's usually a turn and run scenario right right exactly you know tuning up horses for for children is is really an exercise in safety for the child I think it's a, a good thing to do. Um, and it doesn't mean you've got to be constantly riding the horse. If you've got a pretty good horse, this is kind of an occasional type of thing, but it really is something that's going to save your kid from breaking their leg or, you know, having head trauma or something like that. It makes a pretty big difference. So, um, I like wherever possible to kind of include the children in it so they can kind of see what I'm doing. Um, and it can make a big difference. So, before we go, let's talk about one last topic, and that is things that the children can do while they are riding the horse that make it less likely that you have to actually tune them up in the first place. So what are maybe the top one or two things that you can think of that maybe you would encourage a child to do or not to do so that their horse doesn't develop that bad habit? Gosh, I always just really encourage them to not give up when they're asking their horse to do something. Um, I mean, sometimes you have to coach them through it. Sometimes they start to want to lope and then they just kind of chicken out. Um, but it's just has always been really important that uh, I've encouraged them to really follow through with what they're asking the horse to do. Um, and then, I mean, that's the main one. And then the other ones is I really just... I've kind of focused on them being able to do the one rein stops fairly well um, so that if they really do ever get into trouble, they can at least uh, learn to stop them and be able to pull their head around. Those are good ones. 
I think the, the one that I would add to that that is really important is that the children don't always let their horse rest by another horse. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a ton of problems with this with horses that our children uh, have ridden. And I, I have, I don't know, it's just amazing how quick they learn that there's a problem there. And so um, it's uh, they always want to go hang, you know, like, for example, my daughter goes to the um, – the uh, barrel races and there is uh you know her friend there or whatever and so they go and run the barrels and you know work inside the arena all that kind of stuff and then they go and sit on their horses back in the corner right next to each other the horses are just sitting there for an hour while they're talking and on the one hand i'm like oh that's like that's kind of fun her and her friend get to sit on their horses and talk to each other but on the other hand i know what the horses are thinking <laughs> They're thinking, oh, man, this is awesome. If I just go stand my, by my buddy, then I get to not work. So then what do they do? That's where the buddy sourness comes out, and that's a pretty big issue. So that would be one that I would add to it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that kind of completes the list we've come up with. There's a lot of other things you can do to tune up horses for your children, but um, this is something that uh, is something that you can certainly pay attention to and do with some frequency so that – you can keep your kids safe and keep the horses in in good mental form and not, you know, making bad decisions and, and that kind of a thing. So do you have anything else you want to add to that, Anna? Nope, it's a pretty, pretty good list. So. Okay. So if you have any questions about uh, wanting to get a horse trained or you're interested in purchasing a horse from us, or any of our uh, other services or products, feel free to visit our website at sampeathorse.com. You can call or text us at 435-462-1311, or you can email us at info at sandpetehorse.com. Until next time, enjoy your horses. We'll see ya.